All right. We begin with a, a small little quiz. Joe, the song you just led, the third verse, began this way. Loved calls the incarnation. Love brought thee down to me. So a quiz for those 16 years and younger. What is the incarnation? What is incarnation? I just love when teachers give, give quizzes where the answer is right in the line or, or in the paragraph. I'll read it one more time. Love calls the incarnation. Love brought thee down to me. The question is, what is incarnation? 16 years and younger, tell me quickly. Okay, that's right. Somebody say it, maybe anybody now, in some other words that would be more of a, a general meaning or statement. God becoming man. Thank you. God becoming man, that's what you said. Uh, God coming into the form of, of, of man. Deity coming into the form of humanity. Now, I'm saying all that because it certainly relates to, to the message this morning. Um, <clears throat> I would like to bring you a message that I brought, uh, according to my records, 12 years ago. <laughs> and I have to say this because... <laughs> You know, it's so true, and you've heard me say it before. Twelve years ago, some of you were not here. Uh, some of you forgot. Uh, those of you that were nine years old weren't listening. <laughs> and those of you that were less than that uh, just didn't even hear what I said. <laughs> so just think, 12 years ago, how much older many of you are. Uh, many of us are the same age, <laughs> but, but, but some of you younger ones are a whole lot older <laughs> than you were 12 years ago. So it's important to, to look at this again. Um, for lack of a, a better title, I'm just entitling it this, God the Son and His Pre-Incarnate Appearances. I would like for you to turn with me to two scriptures to begin with, uh, and, and then uh, I'll just mention some other scriptures, and, and later on we'll turn to a few more scriptures. Uh, let, let me, let's turn to these couple of scriptures, and, and then I'll uh, give you a, 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 maybe you might say the purpose of the message. Uh, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John in chapter 1. <clears throat> Gospel of John in chapter 1, let me read first of all the first three verses. In the beginning was the Word. Now, I'll just tell you, so you, you know, we, we, everybody reads this and, and we read this and, and people don't, don't argue over this. The Word there, as you see in your Bibles, in, is in capital uh, W and nobody argues it. He's talking about Jesus Christ right here. Uh, the son, G, Christ the Son, the Son, the, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He was in the beginning, and we'll talk about this more as we go. But in the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> Probably a few of you that like me because of the song that was written on these very words back some year, a few years ago, and, and some of us have sung it. Every time I read this now, <laughs> I, I'm, it's just singing, <laughs> and I'm, I'm singing it, you know. Uh, I'll try, uh, yeah, well, I just read it. But anyway, um, verse 14 now, verse 14. And the word was made flesh. So, so keep in mind verse 1, 2, and 3. And now that word that was up there that was God, that was with God. Uh, and that made things. It says in verse 3, he made things. He made the things. And, it, and things were not made without him. Now that person, that God, that word, verse 14 now. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. That's the incarnation. <clears throat> and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. Verse 18. Verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. That's a statement. Okay. Take that. Just what it says. Now. Now continue to read. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. You want to know about God that we can't see? You want to know about God that is a spirit? Look at Jesus Christ and you'll know. Okay, then the second scripture here at the beginning is... <clears throat> Micah, the book of Micah, and chapter 5, the book of Micah and chapter 5. Uh, verses 2 and 3. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. The significance of, of this message and, and what we're looking at this morning is this. Um, to realize some of what Christ gave up to become man. Some of what the Son of God gave up to become Jesus. What he gave up to come down here and be Jesus. 
And secondly, to realize that Christ, the Son of God, had a distinct privilege of representing to the eyes of mankind the Godhead in a visible form in the Old Testament. Let me repeat that. To, real, to realize that, that God the Son had the distinct privilege of, of representing the Godhead in, in a distinct visible form in the Old Testament times. Isaiah 9, 6, that many of you could say by memory. For unto us a child is born. You know, this is Isaiah, you know, you know four, five, six, maybe 700 years, maybe before, uh, before Jesus was born. He said this in prophecy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now how can a, a child that has been born also be the everlasting or eternal Father? See children, he, he, doesn't, he didn't just begin when he was born like you represented in that, in that little play out there for the, for the Echo Children the other night. That's not when he began. That's just when he came to earth from heaven. <clears throat> so I just read, and maybe you're still holding your Bible there open to Micah chapter 5 in verse 2. It says at the end of verse 2, There will come out of Bethlehem Ephrata one whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And then it refers to a woman bringing him forth or birthing him in verse 3. How can a, a woman birth a child that's been going forth across this land throughout this earth? He's been going forth doing his thing forever, for, throughout eternity, from everlasting. Matthew 1.23 says this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now that's Matthew. The writer there was quoting directly from Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah had written that hundreds of years before, and Matthew quoted it here. Shall bring forth a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. 
God? God? With us in the form of a real human being? I mean, is that possible? How can that be? Well, let's consider this. The, this Bible tells us of this about physically seeing God. In Exodus 33:20, the word says this: "Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live." So, so, so if Jesus had the privilege of representing God in the Old Testament, if he was God, how, how could people actually see him when the Bible says you can't see his face and live? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16 says this, referring to God, it says, Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see. 1 Timothy 1.17 says this, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. I'll just say this, because the Bible says... Um, God is a spirit, or God is spirit, literally, I believe, and uh, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> Furthermore, uh, I just read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and, and verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. Of course, you remember the last part of the verse. God the Son, he hath declared him. And I said, you want to see God? Just look at Jesus. So those verses that I've just noted say that we can't look upon God. We can't see God, and, and I'll just tell you this, what it's referring to, we can't see God in, in his full glory. These eyes, these two eyes that I have in my head and that you have in yours, were made to see certain things. And, and the God is so big and so bright and so bold, and I, I don't know how, what words to express, that these eyes can't see him. So I, I've noted several verses there that, that say that and imply that. But the fact is that God has been seen by men. Let me remind you and refresh your memory on, on a, a few places here. Genesis uh, 12, 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram. And the Lord appeared unto Abram. That's in Genesis 12. You have the same thing said in Genesis 17 and Genesis 18. 
Now, what about unto Isaac in Genesis uh, 26? It says, and the Lord appeared unto him. Uh, what about Jacob? Uh, Genesis 32, verse 30. Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. During the period of the conquest of the judges, the term the angel of the Lord was recognized as God himself. I would like to look now at a couple of those places and invite you to turn with me. Two places in Judges. Judges chapter 6, first of all. Judges and chapter 6. <clears throat> Judges and chapter 6. So, I just mentioned maybe for the first time the phrase, the angel of the Lord. I'll just tell you right now, I, I, I'm, I'm saying this to you upon the authority of the scripture and upon the study of the scripture and what many of you know from the scripture, when we have the term the angel of the Lord, which is mostly in the Old Testament, we believe it is referring to none other than God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the one we call Jesus Christ that came from heaven to earth in the form of a newborn baby. At, Christ, at what we call Christmas time. The angel of the Lord was God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, representing God, especially in the Old Testament times. Um, I'm, I'm showing you now that as we see the angel of the Lord here, just a couple of places I'm showing you right now in Judges, these are just a, a couple of examples. He was recognized by the people as God himself. Judges chapter 6, verses uh, 22 and 23. And you see Gideon here, verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. And so we see there, Gideon saw him as, as God himself. G Gideon saw the angel of the Lord as the Lord himself. And then it says in verse 23, and the Lord said to him. So there the angel of the Lord was none other uh, as, that Gideon saw. As Gideon was seeing God as far as he was concerned. And we believe it was Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the angel of the Lord. Uh, turn over just a few pages to chapter 13. Chapter 13. Read verses uh, 20, 21, 22. Verse 20. 1320. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of, fire, flame of the altar. 
And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. The angel of the Lord was recognized as God himself. Isaiah 6.1, many of you know that passage where Isaiah saw himself as undone and the Lord touched his uh, mouth with a coal and so forth so he could speak. But uh, he said this, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. That's what was recorded there in, in Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. This seeming discrepancy now, the fact that I read the scriptures, some scriptures where we can't see God, and then I read scriptures where people did see God, that seeming discrepancy is beautifully resolved in the wonderful truth uh, of the triune Godhead. In other words, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yes, the Son has did his job, his ministry in Old Testament times in being seen by men and appearing to men. <clears throat> it is specifically clarified in John chapter 1, verse 18. I've said it two times already. The John 1, 18, no man can see God. But the Son, Jesus Christ the Son, the Word hath declared him, hath shown us him, whenever the omnipresent, invisible God has chosen to appear to men, he has done so in the person of the eternal Son that we call Jesus, that came to us, that we celebrate at Christmas time. He is the image. This is from Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. When it uses the word image there, the word image is used in Genesis about making man in, in God's image. We, we know it does not mean in a... In a in a physical form. It, it, it means a lot more than that. It, it, it means with a mind and with an intellect and with a thinking and with a will. And so the, the, the characteristic of Jesus is God. He is the image, Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. Of course, if God is invisible, well, then of course it could not be talking about his physical likeness. It's talking about his person. His person is like the invisible God. <clears throat> Let 
Let's look at um, a couple other scriptures at this time. And before we turn to them, just let me tell you this. In the Old Testament, well, let me begin it this way. The term, the angel of the Lord, is never in plural form. It's always in singular. Because if we're saying it's God the Son, there was only one, of course. So never the angels of the Lord, but always singular, the angel of the Lord. Furthermore, the term angel in singular form is in the Old Testament, according to my count, 102 times. The word angels in plural is in the Old Testament only 12 times. Interesting. Um, it's, it's good to look at, at, at in the scriptures in the Old Testament, especially where things were first mentioned. And um, I, I'm showing you now a couple of scriptures where this angel of the Lord spoke in first person as if they were God, as if he were God himself. And he did that because he was God himself. That's exactly why he spoke that way. First person as if he were God himself. Genesis chapter 16, and I invite you to turn there. Genesis chapter 16. Uh, this is uh, the angel of the Lord speaking to Hagar. Uh, Sarah's uh, maid. Genesis 16, verse 10. Just this one verse right now, verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. That sounds like none other than God himself speaking, does it not? It sounds that way because it was. <laughs> The angel of the Lord, there was God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, appearing as what's known in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And he said, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. The angel of the Lord said that, verse 10. I don't think I'll turn, there's several other uh, Examples, that would be a study for yourself. I won't take time to turn to more. I have written down here several other references where the angel of the Lord spoke in such a way that it was God himself speaking. You would say that if you read that and didn't realize that it was the angel of the Lord, or if the angel of the Lord wasn't there printed in our Bibles, you would say, well, yeah, God said that. God said that because it was God, by the way. It was the second person of the Trinity. It was the angel of the Lord. It says that. But we won't take time to turn to other ones. But let me just show you one thing. One, one other reference. You can be turning to Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah chapter 1. <clears throat> um, what is Jesus doing? What is Christ Jesus doing for us in heaven right now at, at God the Father's right hand? Somebody just tell me. 
he's, he's interceding for us. I'm showing you a scripture right now where that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was interceding for us way before now. Way before now. He was doing that when he was the angel of the Lord of the Old Testament. That's part of his job. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 12. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 12. And I'm showing you here, as I already said, we see here the angel of the Lord in his intercessory work. That's the job of Jesus right now today as he's sitting at the Father's right hand. Verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts. Notice, <laughs> that's interesting. It, it, it's, it's the two terms there. The angel of the Lord and the Lord of hosts. Uh, the... the, the the, the God of all gods, I mean, God the Father, the Lord of hosts. Um, so then the angel of the Lord answered it and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years? There the angel of the Lord, God the Son, we call him Jesus at Christmas time. We call him Jesus because he came to save us. He came down to save us from our sins. He was doing his job of intercessory work right there, pleading for the people, as it were. Since the Son is in the form of God, and I just used the word form there for the first time in this message, but that word is used in Philippians 2, uh, verse 6, as many of you know the scripture there. Since the Son is in the form of God, and he's equal with God, it says that there, uh, then he has, he is all omnipotent or he is all-powerful and since he is all-powerful then he can certainly assume any form he chooses to such as an angel or a man or a burning bush by the way we didn't turn to that scripture but I just said this to another I think it was not this congregation but another one not long ago I preached from, from Exodus, what is it, chapter 2 or 3, where Moses was called to, to, to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I've preached on that, that passage about the, the call of Moses and our call. But I didn't, I didn't think about it at that point, but until recently I was looking at there, at that passage, and I think it was some other message that came to me. Who appeared to Moses? At the burning bush, the angel of the Lord. It's there. I didn't read it this morning. But so, since God is God and, and, and God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is God, and they are all powerful and they can do whatever they want to and appear however they want to appear, then they can appear as an angel, as a man, or as a burning bush, or as a baby in a manger. They have that power. 
So men have seen God. No, not in his triune glory. But we have seen him, men have seen him as God the Son. Whom John said in 118 that we referred to two or three times already. It says there he's in the bosom of the Father. What does that mean? It just means they're just like this. They're tight. They're one and the same. That's what it means. He's in the bosom of the Father. And yet he's eternally, he's been eternally going forth. Doing his work. Representing the Godhead as he goes forth. We read that in Micah 5 2. All such appearances of God to men are called, we, we, we use the term today, theophanies. Um, or um, pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. That's what theophany means. It means appearances of God the Son before he came as a baby. And came into a human body. Before that, he was seen many times. He appeared many times, as we've looked at already. And that is known as theophanies, pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. I would like for us to stop for a moment and sing a song. Turn your books to number 136. 136. Let all together praise our God upon his lofty throne, for he uncloses heaven today and gives to us his son. In other words, he, he opened up heaven, the, the, the second middle line there, he uncloses heaven. He, he opened it up, in other words, and allowed his son to come down to earth. Look at verse 2. He lays aside his majesty. I said at the beginning, why are we looking at this? To realize what Jesus did for us. He left being right there tight with the Father. He left the glories of heaven. He left his omnipresence to confine himself into one spot. And I'm talking about to confine himself into a body of a man just like my body and yours. To confine himself into that for 33 years. To, to experience the, the junk of this earth and the pain and sorrow of this earth for 33 years. That's how he humbled himself. That's how he loved us. Verse 2 says, it says that. He lays aside his majesty, laid aside, and seemed as nothing worth. He takes on him a servant's form. And it always makes you cry to keep reading here. He took on a servant's form, the one that made the heaven and earth. It says in Ephesians and Colossians and some other places in the New Testament, maybe at least those two, those two places, that he created, that he made the world. And the one that made the earth, 
laid aside his majesty and, and became into the form of a servant, specifically the, the form of, of a human being. The one that made the earth did that. Wow. What love and what humility. Now look at the third verse. Behold the wonderful exchange. Exchange. That, that's the focus in this verse now. This exchange. Look at what this exchange is. Our Lord with us doth make. Lo, here it is. He assumes our flesh and blood. And we of heaven partake. <laughs> Only because of his willingness to do that exchange can we be saved and, and go to heaven. Uh, Joe, would you please uh, sound the, the F for us? <clears throat> Do let all together praise our God upon his lofty throne, for he uncloses him today and gives to us his son and gives to Son. He lays aside his majesty and seems as nothing worth and takes on him a servant's form who made the heaven and earth, who made the heaven and earth. Be And so now, Christ has become forever Emmanuel, forever God with us. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, He was the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. I've said this already. It says it a different way here, and let me explain. It does not say that he was, Jesus was the express image of God's body. I already said, and you know, God doesn't have a body. He's a spirit. It says he is the express image of his person. Jesus is. Again, you want to see God? You want to know what God looks like? You want to know how God is? Look at Jesus. I'm not talking about his physical body. I'm talking about his person, his character. <laughs> then he took upon himself the form of a servant, 
and was made in the likeness of man. I already said that from Philippians. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, has become one with us. Again from Hebrews chapter 2, it said, He was made like unto his brethren. That was a purposeful happening. He was made like unto his brethren. It began, when did that begin? It began the moment the Holy Spirit conceived him in the womb of Mary. That's when he was beginning to be made in the likeness unto the like, uh, like unto his brethren. And I mentioned that already, you know, he's for 33 years approximately, um, that was him. Confining himself into a human body. God confining himself into a human body. He's called Christ Jesus the Lord. <clears throat> Emmanuel, God with us, then became our Savior, became Jesus, which means, for he shall save his people from their sins. And we all know how he did that by giving his life on the cross. <laughs> he that made all things, which I mentioned was in Ephesians, uh, one of the places also in Colossians, uh, took on a human body to dwell here among us so he could die for our sins. By the way, you've heard me say this maybe before in some other message or two, but um, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, he's, Jesus himself said seven times within about 25 verses, John chapter 6 is a long, long chapter, it has uh, like 71 verses. Um, <clears throat> Within 25 verses, Jesus himself said seven times, what did Michael say? Somebody said, I came down from heaven. That phrase, referring to himself as coming down from heaven. Seven times in a short conversation there. Down from heaven. That's what it means. He didn't just appear on the scene as a baby. He had been going forth throughout eternity. And he chose to then, yes, appear on this scene, on the scene of the earth, uh, in a, a, a technically man form, human form, when he was born, yes. But he came... He came that direction. He came to that point. He came to that manger down from heaven. <clears throat> so do we understand this morning how God humbled himself? How the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, humbled himself to become Jesus and become our Savior. We must praise and thank him, especially at this Christmas time as we think about that. <clears throat> Now, see, the first century disciples, uh, they had a privilege of, of seeing God with their eyes because they saw Jesus. He was manifest in the flesh, of course. He was received up into glory. That's, of course, uh, coming right from the scripture. That's from 1 Timothy. Manifest in the flesh, received up into glory, Paul said to Timothy. 
We don't have that privilege. We didn't have that privilege. We haven't had that privilege. But he abides in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And one day we shall see him face to face. Not, we won't see him as a baby in the manger. No, we won't see him nailed to the cross. But we will see him as the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. I close with these two verses from 1 John chapter 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We close in this morning by singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I invite you to turn your books to uh, 135. <clears throat> 135, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn king. Who ever heard of a king being a newborn? <laughs> but he was. Um, look at verse 2. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Did I say anything about him being from everlasting to everlasting? He's, he was doing his thing forever. Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Did I say, if you want to see God, look at Jesus? Right there it says it. You can only see, as far as physically, a little bit. You can know by his character and by his person, by his life. It's, 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 it's God in his glory put into flesh in a way that we can touch him and see him. But our, we, we would die if we would see God in his full glory. We can't see God and live in his full glory. So he's veiled, veiled in flesh, God at sea. Hail the incarnate deity. Did we talk about the incarnation? <laughs> The God coming down to man. Deity coming down to earth and coming into human form. Hail the incarnate deity. Please as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. He was willing, he was pleased to do that. He was pleased, he loved us so much, he was willing to leave heaven to come down here to suffer for us. Look at the third verse and the third line. I mean, mild he lays his glory by. That, that, I believe that means humbly. He, not proudly, but, but humbly. He was willing to lay his glory by, lay it away, and come down here in, the, in a human body. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man should, no more may die. Okay, so we will close with that song uh, if, uh, Joe, you will come and, and lead us at this time. The soul.